0: Hey friends and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 254. Our guest today is a four-time Paralympian in Beijing, London, Rio, and Tokyo, and was a bronze medalist. She is a World Equestrian Games silver and bronze medalist, and she was recently named to the 2022 U.S. Dressage World Championships. She was born with a rare genetic disease called hereditary spastic paraplegia, or HSP, a progressive impairment that causes muscle wasting and paralysis from the middle of the back down. So here to talk about resilience and all of the success that she has found in the equestrian world, please welcome our guest, Rebecca Hart. Hey, Rebecca.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Oh
0: my gosh, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm so excited to talk. A little bit about you and all of the incredible things that you've accomplished, but first give me the rundown. Like how did
1: you first find yourself in the horse world? Oh my gosh, how did I start this (laughs) path? Um, I was a very typical horse crazy little girl and I always wanted to do the horses. And what um, really kind of hooked me with the horses is when I was a kid, I was pretty angry about having my disability. Mm. Um, I wanted to be normal. I wanted to be just like everyone else. And I tried the typical like soccer and ballet and it just, my body just didn't let me do that. And when I sat on a horse for the first time, that little pony didn't care that my legs didn't work. Mm. And they just let me um, kind of have that equalizing moment that I was so craving for as a small child. It let me accept my body and my disability. And I just started doing it from there. And I've never looked back and it's been a lot of years since. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You were born with this rare genetic disease, correct? Can you touch a little bit on that? Yeah, so I was born with a condition called hereditary spastic paraplegia or paraplesis. And it basically is a progressive genetic condition that causes muscle wasting and paralysis from the mid back down um, through axonal degeneration. So just a lot of spasticity, muscle weakness, lack of coordination. And the horseback riding and riding has really helped me maintain my mobility. Wow, that's so cool.
0: What were some like, I I guess different, obviously there's different like adaptations and things that you can do, um, for your riding. Tell me a little bit about what you kind of do to support your riding.
1: Um, for the actual riding, when I first started, I didn't even really realize that para equestrian existed. So I just wrote able-bodied, um, and just kind of got on with it in a, in a way. And then it was in 1998 when I, found um and it was such an amazing welcoming community because they everyone had a disability and everyone had kind of been working to figure out what helped them ride better and it was this wealth of knowledge that I didn't have before um, so for me it's a lot of my saddle's pretty normal I just use a like a bucking strap on the front of my saddle in case I have a lack of balance. Mm-hmm. And then I also use Velcro breakaway straps to just kind of help keep my leg a little quieter um, just for the horse's communication so that we can kind of understand each other better. That makes sense.
0: So you've been a part of the paradressage world since, let's see, like 1998 or so.
1: Yes, um, which is slightly horrifying. to <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Obviously, like you've seen so many different changes and adaptations. I mean, I feel like the paradressage world has definitely come a long way. What What kind of changes have you noticed over
1: the years? Oh my gosh, there has been a lot and it has been such an amazing process to yeah. kind of be part of it from the beginning and then to kind of watch it evolve over the last 20 years. Um, when we first started, we had to write kind of like an intercollegiate program where you would go to an event, you would draw a horse out of a pool of horses. You'd have about three hours to figure each other out and then you would go and compete. And this would be at the like World Championship Paralympic level. Wow. So it was in, kind of an intense process. And then um, because those horses didn't necessarily have any experience with a disability or um, knowledge of a disabled rider in any way, shape or form. So to try and get that across in about three hours is a lot. And it was in, let's see, I think it was 2008, it switched to own horse competition, which added a level of challenge because Mm -hmm. it added quite greatly to the expense Sure. of traveling and competing, but it also made the quality of the sport um, and the quality of the riding and the, the partnership between horse and rider just start to skyrocket because you could actually build the relationship with your horse and really have them understand that, hey, I have no legs, but mm-hmm. you know, this means go forward and, and really have that communication so that the sport could then be highlighted to the high level that it is now.
0: Definitely. You were recently named to the 2022 U.S. Para Dressage World Championship team, so congratulations on that. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you.
1: Very excited. Very yeah. excited to be heading over there.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, and the championship takes place in Denmark this summer, right? In August.
1: Yeah. August in Herning, Denmark. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Um, How does it feel to be added to this team? Tell me a little bit about the process. And is it something that you were expecting? Is it something that you were, you know, working towards and planning for, for a long time? Give me the rundown. So yeah, we've basically,
1: um, its you never expect to get named to a team. It's always an amazing experience. So incredibly grateful to get the opportunity to represent um, our country again. And we had this on our radar for sure. It was been an interesting run out to this one because they pushed the Tokyo Paralympic Games back a year. Sure. Normally you have an off year between major championships. So it was kind of, um, we finished the Paralympic Games and then we went, okay, take a quick breather, and then immediately started getting ready for the world yeah. championships because we didn't have that year. So it's, uh, we've done a bunch of qualifiers. I was in Europe earlier this year, and we did a Blue Horse CPDI, and then we were also in Qatar, um, in Doha, Qatar for a CDI, which was really an amazing experience. Wow. And then we had our final observation event in North Carolina about three weeks ago. And so then cool. we got the news on the 1st.
0: Wow. That's amazing. I mean, you've traveled to many locations throughout your career. Um, what's the travel experience like when it comes, um, you know, in the terms of obviously you yourself traveling, getting adapted, jet lag, all of that stuff. But then also like with, are, are you traveling with your horses? What does that whole dynamic look like for you?
1: So there's definitely a ton of logistics involved when you're traveling with horses just because of the import and export laws and making sure their passport's up to date, your passport's up to date and everything Mm -hmm. in between. And normally I, I am licensed to fly with the horses, but usually I have my groom fly with them now. And then I will meet them at the competition venues. And then we just do, basically we kind of go in, with Tex is my kind of main competition horse. And with him, he usually gets tired with jet lag on about day three. So we want to kind of buffer that into his time schedule and make sure that we give ourselves enough time for him to recover and me to recover um, so that we can then peak when we want to uh, for the actual competition. So there's this whole like you have to kind of look at the whole big picture Mm -hmm. when you're traveling with horses and making sure that you know yourself and your horse, um, and what's going to be the best for both of you. It's, and it's, you kind of have to do it to figure it out and you make mistakes on the way.
0: Sure. Yeah. Do do you find that most locations are accessible or is there work to be done to make travel and your destination more accessible to para riders?
1: You know, I've been pretty lucky with the accessibility, Um, I do have the added advantages that I can get out of my wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we do kind of hit a roadblock somewhere, I can get out for short distances and kind of resolve that. So I always think that there's definitely room to improve accessibility because a lot of the time it's kind of an afterthought when it comes to organization mm-hmm. um, for certain events. So kind of putting that more on the forefront, I think is a, especially being disability kind of pride month right now, um, adding that kind of to the forefront of thought, I think is always an important process. Definitely.
0: Um, you have two competition horses you're currently working with. Um, tell me a little bit about them and what kind of qualities you feel like make them great partners for
1: you. Yeah, so I've got two. Um, I've got Fortune Five Hundred, who's a twelve-year-old Oldenburg gelding, and I've got El Corona Texel, who is a thirteen-year-old Dutch Warmblood. Um, both have been very excellent partners for me, but they are totally like yin and yang. Hmm. Uh, Fortune Five Hundred, who we call Lula, is um, like a giant Labrador Retriever. He's seventeen uh-huh. two, and he wow. is so consistent and so easy and just like a good egg and will always come out and do his job and then i've got el corona texel who we call tex who's um an incredibly physically talented horse and the most incredible partner to ride he's the one that i've done most of my uh we won the silver and the bronze in the 2018 world equestrian games then we got Mm -hmm. the bronze in tokyo so he's phenomenally talented um, but he's definitely a bit quirky um, and it's taken me probably the last six years to really get to know him Um, but he's such a dynamic amazing partner that he's really fun to compete because he's he's really there with you and is so um, expressive so they're opposite kind of polar opposites but really entertaining to kind of keep me on my toes and and give me different feels
0: I don't know about you, but whenever a horse friend or barn mate or trainer's birthday rolls around, I always struggle to think of the perfect gift. I always want something that really exemplifies the equestrian lifestyle. And recently I started ordering gifts and yes, some pieces for myself because the stuff is so cute, from Horse Scout Design. Horse Scout Design is the home of equestrian lifestyle gifts and homewares online. At Horse Scout Design, you can find products with super unique design prints by talented artists and photographers, or you can honestly personalize your own pieces through a photo of your horse or a design that you want to create for yourself, family, and any horse or animal lover in your life. I have so many cool blankets and throws, um, I have a dog bed, there are so many options at Horse Scout Design that you can really personalize and really make a normal everyday homeware piece have the equestrian lifestyle vibe that you are going for. So for more information, visit their website at horsescoutdesign.com. I've heard one of your training mottos is same job, different sandbox. So tell me a little bit about that and why this is an important training philosophy.
1: So that really came about with text because he can, you know, it's, it's, he can be affected by the atmosphere at times. So there are moments where. I knew when I kind of early in my career that this horse was phenomenally talented and that if I could get through kind of those insecurities with him that we would be able to really shine. So that's where the same job different sandbox came about. And I just started taking him out and exposing him in a safe way to a lot of different experiences and different arenas so that he knew that he could trust me in that moment and kind of, we call him the turtle in the shell and that he could then come out of his shell in any arena that he was in and really put his best foot forward. And it's been a long process to get him there, but it's been so rewarding to watch him really start to develop and come out of that shell. And so now same job, different sandbox. We just Mm -hmm. go out there and get it done.
0: I love it. I love it. Switching gears a little bit because I have to bring this up. I want to talk about Starbucks because you've been an employee there since what, 2008 and are yes. a Starbucks sponsored athlete. Like how how has your relationship with Starbucks allowed you to pursue your riding, kind of create that relationship from being like employee to sponsored athlete? That's that's a big accomplishment.
1: It has been quite a journey with them. They have they have been absolutely wonderful and amazing with mm-hmm. me. I didn't realize the elite athlete program even existed when I first started. I started working for them very early on in my career because I was a working student and I just needed to have insurance. They're an amazing company. If you work part-time 20 hours a week, you can have full insurance coverage, which is huge in this day and age. And um, so I started for that reason. And then I was just going through the employee handbook and it mentioned that they had this elite athlete program. And you basically, you have to be on an elite level, kind of international world championship type level uh, or gearing toward that level. And then you put together an application kind of explaining who you are, what your goals are, and then budget of what it's going to cost to get you there. And then you present that essentially to the Starbucks Elite Athlete Program board. And then they will come back and either decide if they can assist you or not. And they have been amazing. And I've been one of the longest, uh, sponsored athletes. Uh, and actually I think I'm the only para-athlete that they have right now. Um, and I think it's been, oh geez, I might get this wrong, but about 13 years that they've been sponsoring me now.
0: Wow. That's so cool. That's amazing. What is your go-to Starbucks
1: order? Oh, it is an iced grande <laughs> chai with five pumps chai, nonfat milk, and extra ice. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. I was, I literally, I'm so obsessed with the um, brown sugar shake and espresso. Oh, that
1: is also I'm like, good. And I'm the, like, how can I the recreate that? Top, Ooh. Mm, it's so good. Yeah, a little bit of frothy milk foam on top with a little of the brown sugar syrup. Mm
0: hmm. <gasps> mm hmm. Okay, I literally am going to go today and try that. <laughs> yeah,
1: you really should. It's really
0: good. <laughs> oh, that sounds so good. Um, what would you say is an area of the equestrian world that you find yourself really passionate in that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about?
1: Oh, wow. That is a really good question. <laughs> Thank what you. do I think is not talked about in a positive or negative? Mm. I'm going to say one of the things that I think we need to remember in the equestrian world is that it's so easy to get wrapped up in our immediate kind of circle because we get so focused on dates and yeah priorities and competitions and everything that I think it's important to remember that it's not just our world, that there's like this whole other huge community out there. Um, and all of the people in, in your past that have gotten you to that particular moment. So just remembering to always be like grateful and have gratitude to the people that are behind you that helped you get to the point that you are today. Oh, I um, love that. so yeah, I think that's just kind of having that sense of gratitude. Definitely. Um, when you're out on either on the field of play or just at home, it doesn't matter if you're a competition rider or just riding for yourself, just remembering how you got to where you are in that moment.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that also then, um, you know, just having that mindset in general, um, even when it comes to the quality, like your quality of riding or your mindset towards riding, I think when you can always take a, you know, like remove yourself from a situation or kind of zoom out on your lens of what you're currently focusing on or worried about or stressed about. And you can see kind of what got you to where you are. I feel like that gratitude really helps you be able to be thankful, a little bit more positive, a little bit more appreciative of your horse and your team and um, how everything comes together. But yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice to remember.
1: Yeah, just remember that when you were a little girl, what you, currently what you're living now and stressing over is what that little girl would have wanted so badly (laughs) in their hands. Yes,
0: oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, don't make fun of me there. I I think in like reels and TikTok sounds now, just because that's, what I do. <laughs> and um, there is like a really viral sound right now that oh, is, is like, there? yes, yes okay, where it's I'm like 12 year old me would be freaking out right now. And that like, just that, that is like so accurate though. Just thinking oh, about my gosh. all the stuff that might stress you out in your day-to-day life, but then taking a step back and being like, I get to do so many things that if you would have asked me, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago that or yeah. told me that I'd be doing this, I would literally die. So um, totally. yeah, now exactly. I
1: have to go find the, that TikTok. And <laughs> yeah, see if I'll send it to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, Rebecca, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to chat with me. I think what you have done is absolutely legendary and it's so cool to watch your story and continue to watch it. I'm excited to see how August goes and um, I wish you all the best.
1: I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for having me on.